You're listening to Press TV's podcast. This is episode 11. Thank you very much for tuning in to Press TV's podcast one more time. On this week's episode, we are going to talk again about the International Al-Quds Day in support of the Palestinians and their decades of resistance against the occupying forces. In our previous episode, we talked about Al-Quds Day in Africa, but this time we're talking about the day being observed in India. So if you're ready, let's get going. Palestinians remain one of the most oppressed communities in the world. But governments of the world are silent. The major OIC countries are silent. European countries which call themselves torchbearers of freedom and liberty are silent. And here in the subcontinent, all countries except Pakistan, Bangladesh and Bhutan recognize Israel. Even though the US has vetoed more than 20 UN resolutions for Israel and bullied most governments into remaining silent, millions of people from all around the world including the subcontinent, come out of their homes on International Quds Day to protest against the illegitimate regime for the crimes against the Palestinians. The heinous crimes of Israel are not emotionally charged exaggerations based on bias. Israeli oppression is well documented. Only in 2014 alone, more than 2,300 Palestinians were killed and so far, more than 65,000 Palestinian citizens are said to have been killed by the Israeli forces in total. Israel imposed a land, air and naval blockade on Gaza in 2007, constantly bombed the region, including hospitals and schools there, and now almost 2 million people face a famine with no money or clean water. To learn more about the International Quds Day in the subcontinent, we have with us Mr. Feroz Mithiborwala, who is an Indian activist. Sir, welcome to the show. It's very nice having you here on this special occasion. Um, so. Many believe that the Quds Day is a great unifying occasion for all those who stand up for justice across the subcontinent and the world. Uh, what do you think about that? No, that undoubtedly it is the contribution of Imam Khomeini and the people of Iran uh, that has brought this, uh, you know, the Quds Day as he la on the last uh, Juma, the last Friday of Ramzan. That has been the great uh, political contribution. And the Quds Day is building up as a moment of not only uniting Muslims across the world, but we see more and more non-Muslims also joining those marches in various parts of the world. So um, that reaffirmation of our commitment to Quds, to Jerusalem, um, is the reminder and the fact that we are marching in the hundreds of thousands and maybe more across the world, I think it's millions, is very, very important. So, on the one hand is to unify Muslims, on the other hand is those who support the Palestinian struggle come together on that day. But again, the condition of the Muslim world is also quite disunited. So, we, we've got a long way to go. Uh, post the crisis from Libya to Syria to Yemen, all that we are seeing in the Muslim world, the continued tensions between Saudi and Iran and uh, Turkey and um, all these things are playing out right in front of our eyes. I think uh, the Muslim world has not been so disunited and uh, in in a state of war uh, for the for a long, long time actually. So, but Kuchri again is a time of unity uh, for 
ordinary Muslims to think about the, all these issues for political leaders, for social leaders, even for the ulama to think about all these leaders and bring uh, bring us all together for the cause of Jerusalem, for the cause of Palestine. Yes, and also the global media has also been uh, somewhat united in, in terms of uh, condemning the oppressive policies of the Zionist regime. Um, uh, Mr. Firoz, uh, so now on a state level, um, what do you think the governments of India and Pakistan uh, can do to support the Palestinian cause? As I've, as I've told you, the government of India under Narendra Modi is has moved far to the right on practically every political, social and economic issue. On the issue of foreign policy, Narendra Modi is totally aligned with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, they both come from the same mindset, they both hate Muslims, they both hate Islam. And they're both blood brothers as far as um, uh, this issue is concerned. So there is very little hope from the government of India, uh, so to speak. Uh, the government of Pakistan also has its own problems, the economic problems, social problems. Imran Khan, I believe, is trying to get that country out of the kind of religious extremism and fanaticism that um, has been the bane of Pakistan for the last 30, 40 years, ever since the Afghan jihad and even a little bit earlier under General Zia. So both these societies have a lot to, both these nations have a lot of work to be done within. But at the same time, we need to work together to keep the imperial forces out of our countries uh, across all of South Asia and build a unified movement for the good of the people of our countries and going back to our roots of our freedom struggle where we defeated the British, we stood with Palestine, remembering our history, remembering our traditions of our freedom struggle, of our, of our independence struggle. It is not difficult. Our foundations are very strong, our roots are very strong. It's just a matter of uh, getting our act together and uh, working towards that larger goal. On that note of getting back to the roots, um, can you elaborate more on that? Essentially, uh, what we as Indians uh, or South Asians, uh, be it Pakistan or Nepal, Sri Lanka and the entire South Asian Bangladesh and so on, we just need to go back to the foundations of our freedom struggle. As far as India is concerned, be it the great Mahatma Gandhi, or be it Jawaharlal Nehru, first Prime Minister, be it Maulana Azad, be it Abdul Ghaffar Khan, be it Subhash Chandra Bose, Bhagat Singh, the great leaders of our freedom struggle. Uh, even when they were fi uh, fighting against the British, they all stood with Palestine. And that policy carried on until the late 80s, even to the early 90s. But then came the assassination of Indira Gandhi to Rajiv Gandhi, and that's when we began to move towards the American axis, even the global order changed, the fall of the Soviet Union. And it was clear that our entire trajectory had moved towards the American uh, imperial power and Israel. So we need to go to the roots of our freedom struggle, of our anti-colonial struggle, of our anti-Zionist uh, understanding of the entire issue. And I, I, it's not difficult. Uh, uh, our foundations and our, uh, and our roots are strong. But at the same time, the uh, issue in uh, the, the scenario in South Asia, uh, the scenario in West Asia and across the world, actually bodes a very, very difficult time for Palestine. Uh, it's, it's very difficult right now. Uh, we, we've got to go through some uh, major churning at the, at the global level, at the West Asian level, at the South Asian level, for all of us to get our act back together for uh, the Palestinians. All right. Thank you, Mr. Faroz, for being with us on our show. It was really nice having you.
Israeli settlers, supported by the illegitimate government and the Supreme Court of Israel, forced native Arab Muslims out of their homes before bulldozing their property with the help of the Israeli forces, only to build new settlements. They do this even though the United Nations, European Union and the International Court of Justice recognize the occupation and ongoing Israeli settlements as illegal. Israel has been declared an apartheid regime by the UN and prominent international leaders and human rights organizations from all around the world. The Zionist regime, which illegitimately and illegally took control of Palestine with the help of the imperial superpowers, has expelled from their homes almost 5 million Palestinians who are now refugees around the world, while keeping the rest as hostages in their own lands, humiliating them, destroying their homes, shooting children, women, medical aid workers, and even handicapped people. To add more insight, we are now joined by a political analyst, Mr. Malik Ayub Sumbul. Mr. Sumbul, welcome to our show. Uh, so talking about the Palestinian cause, uh, can you please tell us what the sentiment is in the subcontinent? The Muslims in the subcontinent, they, they consider it very uh, very compulsory and uh, they think uh, one of their most important obligation uh, to concerned about the Palestinian Muslims when they see about the different kind of the Israeli aggression and uh, the injustices towards the innocent Palestinians. So there is always a very strong bias that is uh, that has been raised from the subcontinent Muslims and uh, Mm. They have. They always support the Palestine cause, and uh, they always have uh, a very strong sentiments for the Palestinian Muslims. All right, what kind of message do you think the Quds Day rallies are sending across the world? Uh, Al Quds uh, Day is uh, one of the uh, major dedication and uh, the day in which the Muslims around the world actually they uh, pledge for the uh, for the rights of the palestinians because uh, if you see uh, after the belfer declaration so the majority of the arab countries uh, they have uh, been compromising on the palestine cause and uh, they are pushing behind this palestine issue because if you have details and read about the belfer declaration so it's very clear that uh, uh, without the support of the Arab uh, countries, it was not possible for the Israel to uh, make a separate uh, land and to occupy the Palestine. So this could stay actually is one of the day that is uh, has been still giving a message to the whole world uh, that the Muslims stand for the uh, Palestinians and for uh, Palestine. Uh, now. We are hearing that the Quds Day is a great unifying occasion and a force of, uh, of, of for the Muslims and non-Muslims of the subcontinent to come together. Um, wh what is your take on that? I think the Muslims and the non-Muslims have a very strong consensus on this thing that uh, Palestine belongs to Palestinians and uh, Israel has just uh, occupied and uh, they killed innocent uh, Palestinians. So. Uh, the Muslims have uh, a very, the Muslims and the non-Muslims have a very strong consensus and they are uh, equally have sentiments and uh, a say. So 
the all the Muslims and the non-Muslim of the subcontinents are united on one this point. All right, uh, some interesting views there. It was nice having you with us. That's it. We are at the end of yet another episode of our podcast series. If you like our content, make sure you tell your friends about us and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already done it. Till next week, over and out and goodbye.